Thank you, everyone. Have a seat and welcome to uh, the closing, uh, the closing message of our series on "He Said, She Said." And you know, uh, for a sermon series that started as kind of like uh, you know the gender wars, we went we went far beyond the gender wars, and we went to you know whatever it is as a label, as a category that we want to place on people. Um, you know, it's very easy to look at people who are different than us, you know, be it politically, be it nationally, be it socially, be it culturally, you know, whatever, whatever label you want to put on somebody, whatever category you want to put on somebody, let's be honest and just admit this, that whatever label, whatever category, it is the first step towards being judgmental, isn't it? It's the first step to judgmentalism. And if there's, anything, if there's anything that we detest in the world around us and anything that we detest in culture is the spirit of judgmentalism. You know, the church gets accused of that all the time. And, let's, and, 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 and here's another reality. When Jesus came to this earth, he brought a whole new ethic, a whole new understanding of what it means to be part of this world. That judgmentalism, that, that ethic was totally brand new. So, and that's what we've been talking about. And as we close this series out, we're going we're gonna to talk about something um, that is so vitally important. Now, if you're a church person, this is a really important principle. If you're outside the church, if you're just um, you know, trying to figure out church, trying to figure out this God thing, this is, this is hopefully going to answer some questions for you. Because... Um, this is the only, the church is the only institution where this applies, okay? There's no other institution on the planet that can apply what we're going to talk about today. We are the only ones that have any right to this. Now, the marketplace, the, 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 you know, the, the, the businesses, all that, we all try to adopt this principle, but only the church is able to adapt this particular principle. And it's very, very important. And what this principle is, is it, and, and what this principle does, I should say, it guards us from spiritual judgmentalism, which is really important. And a lot of times in the church, we can be guilty of spiritual judgmentalism. And here's another thing that's really important. Now, I don't know. I got, I got that dreaded phone call yesterday, by the way. Uh, I got the dreaded phone call from the credit card company saying that somebody was using my, cry, my credit card fraudulently and they were freezing my account. Okay? Unfortunately, that was the very credit card we were going to use on our trip to Florida. Um, so, so anyway, that's some dynamics we've got to work through. You know? But I don't know if you've ever had uh, an account frozen. I don't know if you've ever had government freeze your account or the bank freeze your account for, for whatever reason and you suddenly feel helpless. And the resources you thought you had are no longer available. I don't know how that makes you feel. Okay? And that's, that's difficult. Like you become limited suddenly. And that's a very difficult place to be. The principle we're talking about this morning, if we don't take it seriously, if we, if we don't kind of, as, as churches, be open to this principle that God gave the church, we can be guilty, we can be very guilty of freezing the assets of the church. 
And when you freeze the assets of the church, the church becomes limited. You put a lid on the effectiveness on the church. We're no longer able to minister with the power and authority and, and the kind of diversity that God intended for the church. This is a really important uh, um, you know, concept for us to, uh, to recognize. And as leadership, we have to be very open to this. Because as I said, if we're not careful with this principle... It can lead to spiritual judgmentalism, and it can freeze the assets of the church. And the greatest assets that the church has is not what money is in the bank. It is the people that call it home. Okay? That is the greatest asset. And this principle that we're talking about this morning is so important that if we don't take it seriously, it is just like freezing the assets of the church, and the people are the most important asset. So, we are going to go to a passage in 1 Corinthians that the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 12, and it's very, very important. Now, Paul is writing to the church, the, the Corinthian church, uh, you know, in the in, in, in part of Greece, um, you know, and, and Corinth is between Sparta and Athens. And the Corinthian church was a really messed up church. Can we just talk about that? Uh, really messed up church. In fact, Corinth in that day was the Las Vegas of, of its time. Okay? What happened in Corinth stayed in Corinth. Okay? Um, in fact, to be called a Corinthian in that day and age meant that they were, you were being called a sexual deviant. Okay, it was a it was a place that had a lot of problems. And of course, a lot of those cultural problems came into the church as well. And one of the things one of the things that the Corinthian church was struggling with was this whole thing of spiritual pride. Okay, and we're going to talk about this thing called spiritual gifts today. And the Apostle Paul is trying to deal with the spiritual judgmentalism that is going on in the church and, and, you know, hoping they don't freeze their assets type thing. Um, and we're going to start uh, reading at 1 Corinthians 12. I'm going to make comments as we go, and then we're going to kind of bring this whole thing together at the, at, at the end. So 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. Now, dear brothers and sisters, as Paul is writing to them, regarding your question about special abilities that the Spirit gives us, and I don't want you to misunderstand this. This is Apostle Paul writing and, and saying, you need to understand that this. this is so vitally important to your church and to every church since then. You know that when you were still pagans, great word, eh? No? You don't like that word? I love that word, pagan, by the way. Um, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. In other words, everybody that becomes a believer gets the Spirit of God to indwell them. That's a powerful principle. Now, in a couple of weeks, uh, we're going to do a two-part series on the Spirit of God, on the Holy Spirit. Okay, we're going to hopefully answer some more questions. But the important thing to remember is that every believer, everyone who says Jesus as Lord receives the Spirit of God into their lives, okay? Uh, there, now, he says there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. You know, all kinds of variety of spiritual gifts, but the Spirit of God, the one and only Spirit of God, is the one who gives all of these gifts. There are different kinds of service, but we serve 
serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but is the same God who does the work in all of us. Notice the unity, you know, in the midst of diversity. Okay? Um, Let's go on to the next frame. Okay? A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Notice that. Each and every one of us in this room has been given a spiritual gift in order that we can help the person, likely the one sitting right beside you. Okay? Uh, To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern messages from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. So you can see that Paul's pulling all kinds of examples of what it is in that typical church body of the differences that you're going to get. Let's go on to the next frame, please. It is the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone, he alone decides which gift each person should have. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Now, remember to the, at the very first message, very first sermon, we said that there was no divisions. Like, you know, whether you're Jew, Greek, uh, slave, free person, you know, woman, man, all of us. Look what Paul does here. Some of us are Jews. Some of us are Gentiles. Some are slaves. And some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit. And we all share the same spirit. Remember the very first message. We, you know, we, we talked about how the culture had put divisions on people and categories on people. And Paul said in the church, those categories don't matter. We are all one in Christ. That, that unity is the, is the central motif of the entire church. And that's what brings us together. Every one of us here in this room, the amount of variety from an economic, social, cultural, you know, demographic standpoint, we're all from from very different places, but all hopefully together here because we worship the same, same Lord. Very important. And notice, notice that Paul is talking about the gifts of the Spirit. Every one of us has a special gift that is endowed to us by the Spirit of God to become part of a community of faith so that we can help one another. Now, I want to, we've had this point at the very first sermon, and I want to make this point again. God made everyone to add value somewhere in the church. God made everyone to give value Somewhere in the church. He didn't make anyone able to add value everywhere. In other words, you know, I may be on the platform, but I certainly cannot do the job that many of you are already doing or have done in the past. You know, I've joked about this many, many times. Do not put me in the kindergarten class, those poor kids. Those poor kids. You know, I think, you know, I, th- I think, I thank God too, you know, that we have elders 
And we have other people in this church, for instance, who, who are great in the hospital. I've joked about this before. I am not the best person in the hospital. I may make you sicker than you already are. Um, because it's not the most comfortable. Now, as a, as a pastor, that's almost like, you know, that's the worst thing you could almost admit. That I'm not great in the hospital. I do it. It's part of my responsibility. I'm not 100% comfortable. There are people in this church that just live for that. You know, like, the minute they hear somebody's in the hospital, they're there. Right? And it's just one. And I, I'm so blessed to be in a church with so many people that have that gift better than I that you're far better off with them in the hospital than me. Okay? That's, that's the beautiful thing about this, this church. Um, so um, let's, let's unpack this a little bit because this is really important. And as I've said, as, as I've, as, as I've said if we don't take this seriously as a church, we freeze the assets of the church. If everybody is not working in their giftedness, okay, in, in the church... Right? We are limiting our ability. We're, we're putting a lid on our effectiveness. We're kind of, you know, only doing the minimum of ministry. So this is incredibly important for us to adopt. Okay? So let me, let me, um, let me give you the, uh, the points that we want to go through this. Not everyone is given the same gift. Okay? Not everyone is given the same gift. Some, you know, have the gift of being able to pray. And to pray consistently and to pray diligently and to pray for all. You know, some people have the gift of, of just encouraging another person. Do you know how powerful the gift of encouragement is? Okay. Um, now, some of you are saying, you know, I wish I had this other gift. And we'll talk about that in a second. But each one of you have something that's really, really important to this church. Very important to this church. And we suffer, we lack, we're minimized in some way if you don't exercise it. We, you know, end up with kind of a lid on what we are able or capable of doing. Now, uh, I I, I do have to say right away, okay, these types of messages can be really guilt-inducing, all right? And, and, And it's not meant to do that. All right? But the reality is, we know that part of spiritual growth is serving. And often, to grow in your faith, you need to be serving in some capacity in order for you to move in the direction that God wants you to move. Now, you need to be comfortable with this because... Because every one of us has something. And some of you might be saying, well, I'm not sure what it is. Do you realize that the people around you probably know your gift better than you do? Notice how the text said, you know, so that you can serve one another. All right? Many people, when it comes to their spiritual gift, always struggle as to what it is, is my spiritual gift. Um, but a lot of times, people around you, you know, I love it when we're in a board meeting and we're saying, you know, we need somebody to do this job or, or whatever. And, and you say, well, who should it be? And everybody in the room kind of goes, oh, it should be that person. Right? Have you ever been in a situation like that? Everybody knows who would be the best for that job. Why? Because we recognize the gift that they had. Okay? A special endowment. 
um, of gift. Okay, here's the second one. We cannot demand that others have a particular gift. We can't force a gift on someone that the Spirit of God has not given them. Okay? We can't, we can't, we can't say, you know what? Every one of you have to have the gift of mercy or else. I'm going to come after you. Okay? Um, um, you know... <clears throat> We are not a homogenous group. It's not just level everywhere. All right? And, you know, there was a time where we were saying, you know, unless you did this spiritually, you could never advance in your spirit. There was a time where if you didn't speak in tongues, you weren't really a believer, you know, and, and things like that. You have to be very, very careful of that kind of stuff. Okay? Here's number three. We must not place undue value on certain gifts. And we do this, right? Here's, here comes where, where spiritual judgmentalism can come in and stuff like that. If you're not on the platform, your gift's not worth it. Have you ever thought that? I'm not up front. I'm not a, you know, a, a person that uh, you know, is showcased on a weekly basis. I don't have, you know, I've had many people say, I don't have the gift of being a musician. So what good am I in the church? Okay? Had lots of people say, or even, even in life groups, I don't have, do I need to be part of a life group? Because I don't have the gift of being able to lead the teaching. Okay? Had all kinds, all kinds of things like that. You know, you, you know the, the reality is, the reality is, the reality is, that's why the Apostle Paul, if you read the passage further, talks about the body. That everyone is part of the body. Okay? You know, you could be an ear, you could be a leg, it could be a foot, it could be a toe, it could be a finger. You lose any of that, the body suffers. Okay? That's why the picture of the body is so powerful. Right? But there's so many of us that think, you know, we're this part of the body that doesn't matter. We can check out. You know, the fact of the matter, spiritually, it does matter. Whenever you check out, you hurt everybody. Oh, that was a guilt statement, wasn't it? Sorry. <laughs> That just came out, all right? That just came out. But it's true. <laughs> but it's true, isn't it? You know, there are seasons when you have to park. There are seasons when you have to, you know. But the reality is when you check out, it hurts. Somewhere, it hurts. And even if it hurts only a small group... It hurts. Okay? You know what happens when you check out at work. You know what happens when you check out in your marriage. You know what happens when you check out with your kids or, you know, other relatives. You, you, you know that's the beginning of a downward spiral somewhere. You know that's the first steps to something that's not necessarily healthy at the end. Okay? But we put un, you know, undue value. And many times we say, you know, because I'm not a platform person, I'm not important. You know, I'm, I'm in my closet every week praying through the directory, praying for all the requests that have come through the prayer chain. And there I am. But nobody notices. Nobody knows. Suddenly it's not important. Okay? 
Uh, you know, I'm, I've, I've used this illustration before. Um, we actually had budget meetings where people would say, there is $100 to the prayer ministry, so we don't value it. What? A, oh, anyway. You know, be careful of that. Be very, very careful. Because prayer does need, not need a dollar value on the budget line of the church to be very, very, very important. Okay? But we tend to put value on gifts that the Spirit of God puts incredible value on, equal value all the way along. And we need to be very, very careful of, of not doing that, okay? All right, here's the next one. Four, your gifts should benefit others. And we talked about this um, earlier, right? Your gift needs to be something that contributes. If you think God has given you the gift for your benefit, you're wrong. You may struggle even with the gift that God gave you. But the reality is God gave you that gift so you can benefit others. So you can benefit others. You know, I love, um, um, you know, um, many of you know that I, that I teach at Heritage. And I'm doing spiritual formation this semester with all, all the new, new students. And, and one, of, one of the important things that we've taught them in that class is the definition of discipleship. Okay? To be conformed. The definition of discipleship that I've given them is to be conformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. That's typically the definition we give. But you know, there's something wrong with that definition. There's a little phrase that I add to the end of it. To be conformed to the likeness of Jesus Christ for the sake of others. That's not original with me, by the way. That's part of the spiritual formation books that are in the classroom that the students are reading. See, the big thing is we've individualized our spirituality to such a degree that we forgot we're attached to something bigger, we're attached to something greater. And we're meant to make a difference in other people's lives. See, if you think spiritual growth is just for your health, you are limiting your potential and you're limiting... And you're actually freezing your assets. That you are part of this body to help this body. That's the difference. So your gift should benefit others. Um, it's, it's a community mindset. It's not just what is my personal preference. What is it that, that I want what is it that the church wants? What is it, you know, that's, that's the biggest struggle in leadership, by the way, is to hold your personal preferences aside and to do and decide what is best for the church. Because if you're in leadership and it's all about your personal preferences, that's the fastest way to derail the church. What is it that the Lord wants for the church? Okay? Really important, all right? Last thing about gifts that really spiritual gifts when presented in the Bible are given irrespective of gender. Now this is you know when it, when it, when it comes to the gender wars even in the Bible because we can get guilty of this in the church. Are women valued in the church? Are men the only 
leadership qualifiers in the church? You know, this is a huge question. It's fascinating to me that when it comes to spiritual gifts, there's no gender attached to them. So if the Spirit of God wants to give whoever this gift of leadership, this ability to, you know, to do something in ministry that's really important, that's the Spirit of God. And everybody around that person should recognize it. And if they don't, if they don't recognize it, they don't have it. It's the old adage, you know, I want to sing on the worship team, but you can't sing. You're the only one that thinks you can. (laughs) It's for the benefit of others, not yourself, right? (laughs) See where I'm going, (laughs) right? Okay, it's it's one of those, it's one of those things. Um, And of course, some of you are going to say, but there's these passages that limit the ability of certain gender, you know, and all this stuff. You know, the qualifier can be this. Is that cultural or is that for all time? And why is it the Apostle Paul who wrote those very passages when it came to the Spirit of God giving gifts to people that he didn't apply a gender to it? Are there moments, are there times when the Spirit of God gives the gift to someone and recognized by others that we have to say, wait a minute, this person has the gift of leadership or whatever. And we have to be true to that. And we can't be spiritual, you know, spiritually judgmental because of that. Because of that. Listen, listen to um, Acts 2, 17 to 18. You know, when the church was birthed at Pentecost, listen to what it said. In the last days, Peter's saying this, in the last days, God says... I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike. And they will prophesy. You know, isn't it it interesting that heaven is characterized as Every tongue, every tribe, every nation. Now, what about what about leadership? In in the Bible, when it comes to leadership, there are two main offices in the Bible. One is elder. One is deacon. Okay, elders or deacons. <clears throat> in both of those categories, if you look at the biblical text out of 1 Timothy and Titus, what you're going to see, what you're going to see is a call to spiritual maturity. That's what you're going to see. When it comes to leadership in the church, the identifier is not necessarily gender, but it is spiritual maturity. But that's very, very important. Okay, because spiritual maturity, we've heard it all the time. Whatever the organization, the organization is usually a reflection of the leadership. That is true in the church as well. And I wonder if in the past, 
The church has frozen its assets because we've wanted to categorize people, we wanted to label people, and we had biases to certain leadership gifts that we didn't allow in the church. Now, for those of you that you know have been part of this church for a long time, you know, you know that this church allows women in eldership. Okay? That's that's allowable in our constitution. Okay? So it's a it's a huge question for us when it comes to spiritual spiritual gifts. But leadership is important. It's spiritual maturity that we lean into first and foremost when it comes to any leadership here at the church. Now, i got to tell you, standing up here and telling you about spiritual maturity, that is a frightening statement for me to make. Because I know the responsibility it puts on me alone, right? Okay? The platform is not always the easiest place to exercise your spiritual gift. Now, this is an important principle because, 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 because. You know, we've talked about the things that labor, things that divide us, the things that, that, you know, hurt the church negatively. We don't want to be spiritually judgmental in any kind of way, but we want to be careful. We want to be careful that we recognize the gifting of every individual in this church and we give them an opportunity. We give them an opportunity. If everyone else recognizes that giftedness, okay, that we give them an opportunity to serve if that giftedness exists. The wrong thing, the wrong thing would be to say, we don't have a woman in this area, we need to put one there just because we need that show of something. That would be the wrong thing to do. Okay? I know this is a, uh, a very hot topic, but I just want to make the clarification as, as we close this series out. This is the only institution on the planet that has the gifting of the Spirit of God as the Spirit of God determines it to allow people to serve and work in the church based on their giftedness. Now, the outside, the outside world says, no, you should play to your strengths. You should, you know, whatever your strengths are, that's what you are. And people identify your strengths. So kind of like the marketplace tries to do this. But it's based on your natural giftedness. It's not based on a supernatural empowerment that the Spirit of God gives us. Each and every one of us. Each and every one of us. You know, I often wonder if this isn't hurting the church in many ways. And if it hasn't hurt the church in many ways. I heard a story um, just recently um, from the Russian Orthodox Church. And um, the Russian Orthodox Church was growing, and they had this church just outside of Moscow that was 200 years old, but the, it had been sitting empty for the last decade. And because the church was, the Russian Orthodox Church was growing, they decided to start using the building again. But when they got to the place where the building was, the building was gone. Totally gone. And they had no idea that the building was gone. Now, at first they thought maybe aliens took it away. (laughs) 
The second thing they thought is somebody probably just bulldozed it down. But that's not what, what happened. What happened is the, a nearby town found out that a builder was going to pay them something like four cents for every brick. So slowly, people, every time they needed food or every time they needed money, they would go to this old church, take a few bricks, take it to the builder. And over time, this church slowly, a two-story building, slowly disappeared from the landscape. Brick by brick by brick. What's the, ap- what's, what's the application? Are we, yeah. are, we, are we dismantling the church brick by brick by brick by brick? Jesus brought a whole new ethic, one that valued everyone. The Spirit of God gives us gifts. And it's not up to us to be able to say, you know, what is it the gift that you gave us? It's in the wisdom of the Spirit of God to give us the gifts. It's our responsibility as a church to recognize where everybody fits the best and to allow them to serve in the capacity that the Spirit of God has equipped them to serve. And frankly, I want to be, I'm the last one, I want to be the last one to say something against the Holy Spirit. Is that fair to say? Is that fair to say? Okay. Well, I hope, uh, you know, keep your emails to a limit, please. Um, But anyway, um, be, be with us the next couple. Can I invite the worship team to come up before I pray and, and all of that? Um, as part of your life groups, you know, you're going to be wrestling with this, with this passage. You're going to be wrestling with some of the truths that come out of this. And I hope it's a time of personal reflection for you. I hope it's a time of recognizing the giftedness that the Spirit of God has given you. Um, and also, let me, let me also say in the next couple of weeks, Matt's going to be preaching. We're, we're off to Florida for a week and a half. Um, make sure you be here, too. Um, he's got a great message lined up for next week and also a great two-week series coming up on the Spirit of God that we just have kind of touched on this morning. And my prayer for you is that you will know, you will know what your gifting is and where you best serve us here at Village Green. All right, let me pray. Father in heaven, thank you. As we close out this series and recognize the really important part of the Scripture, And Lord, thank you for the ethic you brought into the church. That we are guided by truths and principles that are dramatically different than the world around us. They're not always easy to understand. Sometimes it's easy for us to put labels and categories and and fit people into slots that are comfortable for us. But Lord, that's not necessarily honoring And there's some part of when we do that that kind of freezes the assets that you've intended for the church. 
I wonder if we've lost our effectiveness and lost our ability to make a change, a real change in the world because of some of the labels and the categories that we insist upon. So, Father, help us to be discerning. Help us to be truthful to your word and allow us, Lord, to move forward in a way that honors you, honors your word, and gives fruitfulness to the church that you birthed. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.